Why don't you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts 13.29. Acts 13.29, title of message, Only One Way. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree, laid him in a sepulcher, but God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the Father, God has fulfilled the same unto his, us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus again, as it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore, he said also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid into his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. But it be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through his, this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye should not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder, and prayer, and perish for I work a work in your day a work which ye shall in no wise believe though man declare it unto you let's pray together please the most gracious heavenly father we do come before thy throne of grace and thank thee for thy mercies and blessings in Christ Jesus and for thy word that's ever settled in heaven and lord your you give us those things we have need of and that you grant us the faith that we might believe these things that you have recorded and that we might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Savior of our souls and that we find relief for our sins in Christ and by his blood just washed and by his life that we might live forevermore. We just thank thee and praise thee and ask your mercies upon each one in the congregation, those that are with Christ, that you bless and edify those without Christ might please you to say, for Christ Jesus' sake, I pray these things in his name. Amen. We notice, and we'll be particularly looking at those things where uh, the proofs of Jesus Christ, and, and, uh, <clears throat> and especially to the Jews, in uh, that they had the Old Testament, and the Old Testament, of course, speaks of Jesus Christ. And we'll be looking at several different verses in New Testament and Old Testament, uh, concerning this, <clears throat> none understood God's purpose of Jesus' first coming, and I'm talking about the people of his day. Uh, <clears throat> his disciples didn't even believe until God granted them grace, and, and uh, then even after they were with him, uh, they still didn't understand it. And when they, he talked about the re- resurrection, uh, they didn't know what he was talking about. Man, he have to go here to die and after three days, he'd be raised up. And even though the Scripture says this, and, uh, and I'm talking about the Old Testament says this, uh, not necessarily three days, except in the, as, as Job, I mean, as uh, 
was in the belly. <clears throat> Jonah was in the belly of a whale three days and three nights. Uh, that's about the only uh, thing that we have in the Old Testament. There's a couple of other uh, hints, but that's ones repeated in the New Testament. Was when he's supposed to uh, raise from the dead. In Jesus' first coming, they thought he was going to set up a visible kingdom right then and there. And, of course, they was looking in, in the Old Testament and reading that, and, and they seen that he shall reign. And, of course, we know it as the millennial reign of Christ, but uh, they thought that if they can get rid of Jesus, then they could get rid of the kingdom. They wouldn't have to worry about that. And uh, some was afraid that Rome might come in and... Uh, and with all its armies and uh, and desolate them, if Christ started trying to make a kingdom there, others uh, <clears throat> did not want him to prosper at all, whether regardless of Romans or anything. And so they thought the best way to keep his kingdom from coming in is get rid of Christ. And of course, this is what really will bring the kingdom in: is that they crucified him and God raised him from the dead. And in time, he will set up his kingdom. None understood he was the only begotten of the Father, and he came to die purposely on the cross at Calvary. Now, he told us, as I mentioned, he told his disciples several times they didn't understand it until after he was dead. And then after the resurrection, they, then they remembered what the Scripture said. And, and so they... Uh, took the Lord Jesus Christ, hung him on a tree, and put him in a sepulcher, and God raised him from the dead and uh, declared him to be the fulfillment of the promises in uh, whom is the forgiveness of sin, and only in Jesus Christ is their perfect righteousness. The promise of salvation to all that believe, as the Scripture says. Uh, Jesus' first coming was to make ready a people, uh, for glory and Israel for the millennial kingdom, but especially his everlasting kingdom in New Jerusalem in glory. And God has in Christ Jesus provided justification, forgiveness of sin, and uh, life eternal uh, to all that will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, as the scripture says. Now, keep saying, as the scripture says, there's a a lot of people go out today that go out and say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's not according to the Scriptures. They sign this, say this, pay that, baptize, do this, do that, and that's not according to the Scriptures. It's according to the Scriptures by faith. Yeah. On our side of it is faith and faith alone. On God's part, uh, part of it, He gives us the faith that we might believe, but... Nonetheless, the first inkling that we have uh, that anything has happened is when we, uh, first of all, are sorry for our sins that we used to not even bother us, and then we repented and seen Jesus high and lifted up uh, for us. His apostle, his church, most refused to heed God's call to sinners to come to Jesus for forgiveness and the remission of sin. And they all those through the centuries suffered for rejecting God's grace in Christ Jesus. Even today, those that call themselves Christians cannot comprehend that Jesus took away all our sins. I mean, uh, he took our past sins, our present sins, and 
future sins that we might commit, he took them all. And he counted us righteous. We are counted as righteous as the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason I say that is, is some think if you commit one sin, you're doomed. Or if you commit a certain sin, you're doomed. Or if you do this, that, or the other, you're doomed. Instead of trusting God uh, for our salvation. They thought murdering Jesus would stop his plans. In verse 29, they mocked him and hung him on a tree. <clears throat> and after... Jesus gave up the ghost, they buried him, and as we already mentioned a couple of times, uh, they thought they had destroyed Jesus and his plans and, and all his, his word, but God, then God raised him from the dead. We know he's seen all the others for <clears throat> about 40 days, his disciples and the 500. We don't know how many of them seen him uh, uh, continuously during that time. Uh, but we know that in 1 Corinthians 15, there was at least those people had seen him. There in Acts, the third chapter, <clears throat> in Acts, the third chapter, 13th verse, <clears throat> the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob and the God of our fathers has glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when ye were when he was determined to let him go, but they <clears throat> ye denied the Holy One and ju the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and kill the Prince of Life, whom God had raised from the dead, <clears throat> whereof we are witnesses. So again, we see that the uh, it refers back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promises God made to them. It goes forward to the Lord Jesus Christ and how they determined to turn him over, thinking that that would get rid of this, uh, this Jesus, if you will, that seemed to be upsetting so many, the, high, the priesthood, the, <clears throat> the hierarchy in the, in the synagogue, if you will, in the temple and and uh, so they thought they would eliminate all that. They thought he was just a man. They didn't know he was the only begotten son of God, even though he told them, even though Isaiah said this that would come, speaking of him as the very son of God. And there in the ninth chapter and then other places in Isaiah, it refers to his ministry, like Isaiah 53. They thought he was just a man. They did not believe that God would, or could raise up Jesus from the dead. Jesus was born the Son of God, the God-Man, there in Matthew 1, 20 and 20 through 22. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, <clears throat> thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and ye shall find, he shall bring forth a son, <clears throat> she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins, from their sins. And so we see at the very uh, birth, or before the birth, at the, after the conception, speaking unto Joseph, this great and wonderful promise God had given Israel. Verse 33 of our text, Jesus declared the Son of God, by the resurrection. Sometimes we don't put enough importance on the resurrection 
as far as declaration. We do as far as we hope of eternal life and that we'll be raised as he was raised and we're raptured out. But and that testified that God was accepted his offering. And that means that we know for sure that our sins are done away with. It is not that we hope they are and we uh, look that maybe somewhere down the road we get assurance his resurrection is the assurance. Uh, he bore our sins, took them to the grave, and lost them. I mean, just like in the Old Testament, they, they'd lay their hands on one lamb and they would sacrifice him, and then they would lay uh, on another lamb or sheep and let them go. They was the scapegoat. And, uh, and this is the ideal that they was removed, cast away. And then another passage says, and God has cast them as the deep depths of the sea. And yet we know that Christ went beyond the depths of the sea. They're, if it was in the depths of the sea, they'd be there. But ours is no longer. They've done away with in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> we find in Psalm 2-7, I will declare the decree, the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. In our verse 30 of our text, but God raised him from the dead never to die again. Now, our hope of eternal life is based upon that Jesus is eternal or he is will live forever. But God raised him from the dead. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. We'll give up this this shale sooner or later, either by the rapture or by death, and, and, and this thing is gone. It is the seed of the resurrection, but that new body that we shall receive shall be up forever. Death cannot hold Jesus, the righteous one. There in the, uh, Acts 2.24, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not, <clears throat> it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Jesus had paid our sin debt in full. There's none that God gave him that he didn't save. We'll save and we'll be in glory with them forevermore. Not one. There won't be, uh, when they brother was caught up yonder, there's not going to be any missing uh, people or places in that death cannot hold him, and whom God had raised and having loosed the pains of death, Jesus had, had paid our sin debt in full. There is no debt of sin made that we can commit that is not covered. Somebody says, "I we don't like that doctrine because it causes people to just go out and friend, sin, friend, you know, freely." Almost like antinomians, you know, they do as Brother Glenn mentioned the other night, other day, and uh, and the point I'm making is, God changed our want to, and then it tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, how could you grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, willful sin's one of them. When you sin on purpose, if <clears throat> If you don't have any repercussions from that, if you can't, if it don't make you feel miserable, and you're not filled with guilt, then something's wrong. Yeah. 
because the Holy Spirit cannot be grieved in you and you not know it. Now, you might do a lot of things, kind of trying to deaden the voice and do this, that, and the other, you know, to try to relieve that conscience, if you will. Uh, but sooner or later, if you're his, uh, he will break forth in your life and either by chastisement or wooing, will bring you back uh, to where you should be in Christ Jesus. God raised him from the sh- uh, dead, uh, from the dead and showed him openly, as mentioned in Acts 10.40. God raised and exalted him in Acts 5.31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for <clears throat> to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. God promise are all fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Every promise he made Israel is fulfilled in Christ. All the promises made us is fulfilled in Christ. Outside of Christ, there's no promises except death and destruction. But in Christ, there is everlasting life. And God has made great promises. And when you look through the whole Bible, I was thinking about this as I was looking it over and working on it. And even this morning a little bit had changed some things. And I was thinking about, you know, the scriptures talk about God's blessings and and God's thoughts toward us are innumerable, but his promises. I mean, just think about starting in the book of Genesis and just start writing, well, here's the Genesis so-and-so, and this is a promise. How many promises would you have in the Scripture? You say, well, somebody could probably figure it out, but to me it's almost innumerable. All the promises God's made, but they're all fulfilled in Christ Jesus either by accepting him or by rejecting him. All the promises God has made are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Verse 32, God thought them good tidings, brought them good tidings in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 40 and verse 9, O Zion, thou bringest good tidings, get thee into the high mountains, O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold our God. Genesis twenty-two eighteen. And in thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. That was to Abraham and the seed of Jesus. Galatians three sixteen. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not unto seeds as of many, but as of one unto the, thy seed, which is Christ. And so we could go on and on. Genesis 49-10, speaking about the sepulcher, shall not leave Judah. And Jesus is the promise, promised by God. Now where Moses said that God raise up one like unto him in Deuteronomy 18-15. Moses was the mediator of the law, and Jesus was is the mediator of grace and faith. And uh, he is the mediator, if you will, between us and God. Jesus, born of a virgin, Isaiah 7, 14, born in Jerusalem, Micah Micah 5, 2. And the point I'm making is all these promises God made about Jesus Christ thousands of years before he come were fulfilled when he came. Some are yet to be fulfilled because we're not in glory yet. And, and so 
uh, Jesus came riding upon a donkey's coat, Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, riding on an ass, and upon a coat, the foal of an ass. In Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, it gives the many different titles that Jesus would have, the Wonderful, the Father, and all the other uh, Prince of Peace. And, and uh, it speaks of his birth in verse 8 of uh, uh, chapter 9, of the increase of his government. And peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so we see that the promises made, we haven't seen fulfilled, even though we read in the book of Hebrews that he is now reigning, but we don't see him reigning at this time. In the millennial, we'll see him reigning. In the eternal ages, we'll see him reigning with our Father, which is in heaven, and and we'll see the zeal of the Lord of hosts will bring it about in time. The sure mercies of David in Isaiah 55 and 3 and other places that mention the sure mercies of David in the book of Romans, I think it is. And it speaks about all the promises were made uh, through David, but it was made to his seed, Jesus Christ. Where we go to Ezekiel, where we go to Isaiah, Jeremiah, when it speaks of the blessings of David and the sure mercies of David, it is pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteous branch of David. In Jeremiah 23, 5, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up David, a righteous branch. A king shall reign and it prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And we find in Daniel 9, 24, 26, it speaks of the Messiah being cut off in the midst of the week. And they should have known. There in Daniel 9, 24 through 26, it speaks of a timeline there. And then we call it, uh, that we're in a, <clears throat> like in a paraphrase, uh, I mean a parenthesis. And it's like we have the Daniel, that the Messiah was cut off in the midst of the week, and then we go over here, and at this after this time of the Gentiles, and then the clock starts tack, uh, ticking down again. And so it's determined, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, many scholars believe when it speaks about determined, 70 weeks determined on thy people, that's where the parenthetical time period comes in, because God's not dealing with Israel right now. He will deal with them in the last three and a half weeks. Now, the first three and a half weeks, they'll fall for Antichrist and follow him. But in the last three and a half weeks, they will know who the Messiah is after Antichrist reveals himself. The promise is to those that believe. Romans 4.13 for the promise that we should <clears throat> that we should be heirs of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now the scripture says in the Old Testament, <clears throat> Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. 
Now, to us, we read that and say, well, preacher, we hear that all the time. You know, Romans 2 speaks of it. and all, Well, we just read out Galatians. And anywhere you go, just about, it speaks of that in, in one place or the other. But did the Jews understand what it meant? Absolute not. They didn't understand that salvation was by faith. They thought salvation was by works. They thought by the ceremonial law they could make themselves acceptable unto God and they believed by their good works that God would say, oh, come on up here, you fellas. you such good people. you you just about as perfect as there can be. But the problem is being almost perfect is not good enough. Being almost the best is not good enough. You have to be perfect. And the only way we can be perfect is by trusting Jesus Christ. And that's what perfection is. Just like Abraham believed God, God said, because you've believed in men, it's counted to you for righteousness. Was Abraham righteous? I mean, we studied in Genesis. I mean, just think him going down to Egypt and then over and Biblic, and, and we just go on and on and on. He was just a sinner saved by grace. But because he believed God, his faith in God was counted for righteousness and none of those things would be counted against him. Did God judge him for any of it? God chastens those whom he loves. Just because that God would not count them, your sins against you in eternity, it will keep you out of the lake of fire, it will put you into heaven, but it's not, you cannot sin without consequence. Where does judgment of God start? Scriptures always says the, and the, and the judgment of God starts at the house of God. When God was going to punish some of the other nations, where did he start? started at Jerusalem. And whether it was time for them to be going into exile or that God was going to deliver them, didn't make any difference. In which case it was, God would chasten them for their sins first and then for the Assyrians or whoever it was. Just like, just think of all that Hezekiah and the couple of kings before him went through the Assyrians. And it looked like the Assyrians going to win. They thought they was going to win. Israel thought they was going to win. But Hezekiah believed God. Now did God chasten them? Of course he chastened them. And the Assyrians come down through Judea and took many of the cities there and caused havoc throughout the land until God delivered them, that 186,000 that died outside of Jerusalem. How many of you think in Jerusalem thought that was the end? I mean, here is the Syrian army out there, <clears throat> Ambivalic and his generals, <clears throat> at least 186,000 men, and here they were as inside the walls of Jerusalem. Now, what do you think they thought? And Isaiah, so they looked and they and they seen everlasting burnings. Their sins had come to the forefront, and they they knew they was going to have to suffer the everlasting burn. Not just the burning that these people would bring. It made them realize that God is God. And then they 
woke up 186,000. <clears throat> and Bevelick goes home, or <clears throat> go, Sennacherib, excuse me, Sennacherib goes home and his children kill him. Remission of sin is Jesus alone. Verse 38, they preached forgiveness of sins in Jesus, Acts 10.43, to give to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth, on, <coughs> believeth in him shall receive the remission of sin. Now what is the remission of sin? Well, we say forgiveness, but and, and in a sense, remission and forgiveness go hand in hand, but you just like you say, well, here's the million dollars here I owe you. And I just say, well, forget it. And just remit it, remission. It's done away with. It's not there. When you get to heaven, nobody's going to say, well, I believe you committed this sin, that sin, this. It's not going to happen. It's all taken away and done away with in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> God gives the forgiveness of sin that men might reverence him in Psalms 134. <clears throat> but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. I've read that several, several times over the years as I read my Bible through, and each time I seem like I get a little bit deeper in it, my thoughts about this, and and it's to the glory of God. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Everything that God does that we should give him glory and honor and be the people of God that we should be, and God by the Spirit is working within us to make us those, those people, and we shall reach perfection when we go up through the air. God has opened a fountain, that, that fountain is Jesus, Zechariah 13.1. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanliness. And of course that's talking about the millennial time. Verse 39 of our text, freely justified in faith, 5.1. There being justified by faith, we have peace with God and through our Lord Jesus Christ, who are the only human beings in the world that can say they're at peace with God, those that are in Christ Jesus. Who are those that are without peace? Those that are without Christ. You cannot, if you will, be in, you cannot have peace with God you cannot enjoy the peace of God. Somebody says, well, we're at peace. You know, we're not having any wars or we're not doing this or there's peace in the city. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about being at peace with God. Who does God hate? Those that sin. He says he, he's, uh, I can't remember the scripture now in Psalm where he's, <clears throat> where he's angry with them all the day long. He's not satisfied with the wicked doing their wicked jobs, doing the, the things that they do by natural course. How many sins do we commit? I mean, how many a day? I mean, bad thoughts, evil thoughts, <clears throat> thinking on things we shouldn't, or uh, 
doing one thing when you should be doing another, and we just go on and on and on. But we have peace with God. We have peace with God because God has granted us that, that peace in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So how are you made right before God? What is justification? I like the definition. I know it. Now, I know this is not a theological definition, just like you never sinned. But that's what it is. God's going to say, well, boy, your role here was pretty big. You know, I just, uh, I just, and we're going to put you on the bottom line here. You, you, your sins was in the millions or billions, and here somebody else was in the high hundred thousand, so we're going to give them a privileged place here in glory. It's not like that. We're just as if we never sinned. We have and profess our belief in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 3.12 Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you and in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now we know God gives us eternal life. But how many bewares are there in the New Testament? We're not going to look at the Old Testament. How many bewares? How many, if you will, warnings not to fall away? Those that live the those that live the what they call you cannot commit sin because all sins are forgiven. God doesn't recognize sin in your life. So even you went out and murdered somebody, the antinomians would say, "Well, it doesn't make any difference." It does make a difference. And those that believe such a thing. And let me go just one step further. Those that believe and practice such a thing, how is the Spirit of God in them? Could you go out and just literally murder somebody? He said, well, I don't think so. The Bible says if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. They rejected Jesus and will face eternal judgment. <clears throat> beware, verse 40, beware therefore lest their... <clears throat> Come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. But they rejected Jesus. All that rejected Jesus shall fail, shall, <clears throat> that we shall fall into the lake of fire. God called you, but, <clears throat> call, but you have refused in Proverbs 1, 24, 25. Because I have called, and ye refuse, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Now you say, well, the elect's going to be saved, preacher. That's true. But everyone that hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will have to give an account for that. This is God wooing. God told the church, go out and preach the gospel. And when the church goes out and preaches the gospel, that's God wooing sinners to him. Now, we know that a a person in their natural state never comes. He rejects it. He makes fun of it. He blasphemes the name of God, makes little, takes the name of the Lord in vain, and 
and, and um, indulges in all kinds of wickedness, and we just go on and on and on what men do that hear the gospel. But there are some that hear and believe. And that is by the grace of God. Yet, each one, just like Israel, God warned them and warned them and warned them and told them they didn't turn from His way, that His judgment would come, and, and they didn't believe, and they waxed worse and worse and worse, and the judgment came. That's symbolic, if you will, of a sinner. God wills them with the gospel, hearing the radio, track in the pocket, or whatever else there might be, and yet they reject the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Thank you have some way to escape. Let's turn now to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28, excuse me. 15, starting there. Because you, I'm about to read from my notes. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell, and we had an agreement with the overflowing scourge have passed through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and, our, and under falsehoods have we hid ourselves. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious stone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not <coughs> make haste, Judgment also shall I lay to the, the line, and righteousness to the plummet, and the hall and the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding place, and your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hail shall not stand, with the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then you shall be trodden down by it. Now, what is it talking about? Men's got all kinds of ways of escaping judgment. And here, the Israelites, and God warned them of the impending judgment that was coming, the army, and so they made agreements. And it says they made agreements with death. It is saying, you know, if you'll squeal and you'll be our spy, we'll, we'll, <coughs> we'll let you go and your family go. And then they made the lies their refuge. And so to the Jews, they would be lying about they was the, really helping the enemy out. And, and then they would, if you will, trusted their lies rather than trust God. And God said, I've disannulled all that. Your agreement with death, disannulled. You're trusting in lies, disannulled. They're coming through and you're going to perish. There wasn't any way escaping. It is the same, if you will, and it says an agreement with hell shall not stand. There is no way you can make agreement with the devil to escape hell. You say, why would anybody do that? How many Wiccans do you see around today? I mean, they're getting bigger and stronger. And some say, well, we're not really true Wiccans. But they practice everything the Wiccans practice. They worship the earth. Why is California like they are? Because they worship the earth. I mean, that's the whole premise behind many of their laws is because, you know, Mother Nature's mad and this, that, and the other. <clears throat> and let me say to you, 
better be disannulled. That can't stand. Jesus Christ is the plummet. He is the righteous. And all of us know what a plumb line is. You take it and see if something's square. If it's centered, <coughs> and if it's off plumb, it means that it's crooked. Jesus is the plumb line. It is, between, it is against Jesus that we are counted. It's not against the preacher. You don't say, well... If you're a brethren and preacher, you can make it to heaven better than the apostles, better than anybody you can imagine in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, <coughs> Elijah, Elisha. I mean, y'all could be just as crooked together. I mean, the same line. But the plumb line that we're set against is Jesus Christ. And no man can stand against that plummet. Now, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we accept His plummet for us. His plumb line, Him, His righteousness, His holiness, becomes ours. It becomes that we are now, if you will, centered. We're not crooked. We're set in the place that God had us to set. If you won't hear Jesus, then you'll perish. Acts 3.23 and it shall come to pass that every soul which shall not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Now, speaking of Moses, speaking of the prophet that would come in his likeness. But those that would not heed this prophet would perish. And, and of course, is speaking of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 3, 2, 3, and 4, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which yet the first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed us by them that heard it, God also bearing them witness both with signs, wonders, and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His will, go on will. Somebody says, well, if we've seen the miracles back then, uh, we would believe. Hogwash. If you'll not believe Jesus Christ and and if you'll not take into account all that he's already done and believe that they actually happened, then you have no hope. And if a miracle was done right in front of you, it might enthuse you for a while. It might cause you to follow that preacher for a while, just like some of these faith healers that have hundreds that follow them from place to place. <clears throat> but if you don't trust in Jesus Christ, there's no hope. God has made known Jesus' riches in Colossians 1.27 to whom God would make known what is the riches of the, the glory of his mystery excuse me, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus has been raised by the Father. He says in Acts 5, 30 and 31, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, <clears throat> whom ye slew, hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, to give, <clears throat> for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You cannot. Is there some way we can make an agreement in the earth, you know, death, hell, lies, whatever? No, that won't work. 
You say, well, we got a new plan here and, and we've all agreed that this is what the Bible says. You must be baptized. Be saved. That won't count. Abraham simply believed God. And that faith alone by itself was counting for righteousness. When was Abraham baptized? When did Abraham take of the Lord's Supper? When did Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, when they do any of that? Never. It wasn't in their tradition. I mean, they offered up uh, <laughs> bulls and goats and this, that, and the other portraying the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> if you have to be baptized, if you have to take the Lord's Supper to be saved, then all the Old Testament saints are lost and undone. Impossible for them to be saved. But if it's simply that salvation is trusting Jesus and Jesus alone, then Abraham will be in glory. Moses will be in glory. All the apostles will be there, save one. And we'll be there with them all. You cannot will yourself to heaven. You cannot will will yourself to do any of those things and a lot of the modern evangelism is, you know, by volition you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, it is an act of the will. I'll not neglect that. But it's not faith in faith. It is acknowledging that work which Jesus Christ has already done in you. That you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that refuse shall suffer pains and everlasting destruction. Why? Because they're outside the pale. They're outside the blessed city. There's no hope.